What I really needed was to recreate myself, which means to bring something new into the world that has never existed before. Today, I have Jason Harris, the author of The Soulful Art of Persuasion, 11 Habits That'll Make Anyone Master Influencer. Who wouldn't want to do that? Welcome, I Jason. Think everyone wants to do that. There's no other, there's no other way. Uh, the, the, the first thing that jumped out at me about your book was how it seems to be like a modern day Dale Carnegie spin on the way life is now versus the way it was, the old way. Um, you know, maybe we can talk a little bit about that ultimately and the four principles and the 11 habits. Um, I want to dive into all those, but tell us a little bit about how someone like you from Virginia ended up going into advertising, living in New York city and now is the author of a book. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I had, a I had a strange, uh, upbringing because my parents we you know we were talking about that earlier but my parents were both academics and i was um you know i was i, I kind of felt it, it, when i was like 12 or 13 not i didn't really find my you know my tribe my niche my groove you know mm-hmm. uh, and i uh i did watch like i watched a lot of tv and i loved i always really studied those you know, we don't do ads as much now because it's more all digital and social, et cetera, in advertising. But I did love those those 30-second breaks in between the shows. And I always wondered when I saw it, like, would I buy that thing? Like, hmm. And then it was we got into like thinking about, you know, you talk about career day in school and mm-hmm. what people do. And I realized that, you know, that's a so much job is to think about those products and how to sell them and uh kind of i realized early on like i'd watch the kool-aid man and lego my ego and all those <laughs> those different ads which i'm sure you remember oh, yeah. and um I, I so i kind of early on i knew i wanted to go into something in that field i wasn't sure what it was um and then i grew up i don't know if you heard me ever talk about the kiss story no, the the band. Okay. Yeah, the band Kiss oh. was when the first time I feel like I got persuaded, but I didn't really realize it at the time. But I joined as a kid. I joined the Kiss Army, oh, no and, and uh, they would send me like let, which I thought they wrote. You know, they'd send me handwritten <laughs> letters with like stickers and keychains. Yeah, and they would have us call radio stations to get them to play kiss they created like an influencer network like analog style where they have they would connect with their fans through mailing them things and asking them to call radio stations in their area uh and then you know show up at concerts they'd give you you know let you know when their concerts were coming and i would buy all their albums and go to their concerts and i was so blown away by the character and the story and the mythology that they created with these, mm-hmm. you know, the cat man and the space man and the demon. Yeah. And I realized that um, they created a brand and a story and I was very drawn to it as a kid. And then being part of the Kiss Army, I felt like I was sort of in this like, this like tribe. Mm-hmm. I was in like a group, you know? 
and I really liked that when I was when I was growing up. And um, I would just play their music all the time and run around the house. And uh, what's <laughs> funny is my kids, I took them to their first concert at Madison Square Garden. This was like, uh, I guess, a year and a half ago, like pre, yeah. pre, -prand pre pandemic, but mm. not that, not that uh, long ago. And I, we, we got like a face paint artist to come in and do our faces. Wow. And I got them like little blood capsules. They could like reach <laughs> in their mouths. I have two boys, so they loved it. And that yeah. was their, now they can tell their friends when the question comes up, what was your first concert? They have to say a Kiss concert, even though they absolutely hate the music. I it. went to my first Kiss concert right before the pandemic in Jacksonville. So it must have been the same tour. Yeah. Yeah, it was like my first one. Yeah. yeah, oh, it was great. It was in, it was fantastic. My friend, uh, it was in 2019, so it would have been a year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah. Because it, that, that was right. year. Yeah. yeah, it was 2019 in Jacksonville, and, we, and they came all dressed up, and they've been lifelong kiss, kiss people, and I have not. It's really cool. So they cre created a tribe. Yeah. Wow, early influence. Someone, someone early, thought early of that. influence. Yeah, that's, that was influenced by them, and, uh, you know, they're, they're – a spectacle you know they're fun oh, that's cool tell me a little bit about you know your your business mechanism and you know the the unique process you have there and on, on on branding i mean that was like almost as much information as to have a whole show on but connecting the dots from you 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 start a, a you know you start in the advertising business so to speak the storytelling business brand telling yeah. brand story building all that all the awesome stuff and connect the dots between that and the book because i want to dive right into the uh being more influential and more persuasive sure, yeah. so i yeah so i got you know when I, I went to college got out of college and you know just started working and I, I worked at the design firm and then an advertising agency and then another advertising agency mm. and i always had that entrepreneurial uh spirit inside of me and i sort of you know, realized I was going to learn and get experiences from different mentors and managers and learn the business and then try to go on my own. And um, I started one company that um, was really just me. I did it mm -hmm. all on my own. And it was, you know, the pr producing, the ideas, the pitching, the invoicing. And it was very, um, it was very unsustainable. I burned out on that real fast because it was just me doing everything. And so um, I had some friends that also had, uh, I had like a content business. They had like a digital business, mm -hmm. and we decided to like merge the things together. And that's a mechanism, which is the agency now, which has been around about 15 years. It's mechanism with a K. Um, cause we went to register the URL and the CH was taken mechanism.com. So we came to do a K instead of arguing about a different name. Um, uh, yeah. And so we, uh, yeah, we've been doing, doing it independent creative agency. We work with, you know, some of the biggest brands out there and, uh, got four offices, 200 people and it's been really fun. And I really, that's the part I like, like I, I knew I wanted to get in advertising early on. But the part I really like is uh, the entrepreneurial part of, you know, helping build brands and 
taking mm-hmm. risks and you know that the that idea of like kind of um making your own decisions really has been uh for me more um fulfilling than the advertising part even yeah i think you're underselling your your advertising background like did you see the movie fake famous yet the hbo the, ah. the, the, the fake, there's a lot of fake famous advertisers but you're you're the real deal like you had peloton jerry uh, ben and jerry's like you're 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 you've, you've brought some big stories to market definitely and you know that's exciting so your credibility you know with with being able to persuade should go a long long way um you know as, a, as we connect the dots not to not to take away from the book but why would you want to go out and write a book and, and, and teach your concepts? Uh, what well, was, the, what I, was the driver there? Yeah. So I, um, I originally set out to write a book that was about lessons from some of the greatest advertising campaigns that people could apply mm-hmm. uh, to how they brand themselves in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and as I sort of started out on this adventure, which took about three years to complete, cause I was writing it part-time. It wasn't my, you know, it was like a side hustle thing. I try to write a book mm-hmm. and I realized as I researched and did a lot of, I read a lot of business books and right. self-help type of books. And I realized that you mentioned it sort of early on the Dale Carnegie, mm-hmm. how to win friends and influence people. I realized that those seemed a little, there was great points made in them, but they all felt a little transactional. They felt a little bit of like what you think of when you hear the word persuasion, mm-hmm. which is almost uh, tricking people or uh, getting people to like you so that you can ultimately get their money. And right. I felt like that was not the way I had built my business, not really what I believed in. Mm-hmm. So I ended up writing a book about uh, persuasion or selling. And it's about, it's a lot of storytelling. It's about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, personal character. And then advertising stories from my business are woven into those, those points. So I sort of reverse engineered it from an advertising book that people can learn characteristics from to mm-hmm. a book about character with some advertising stories in it and, and yeah, the, that's the book that you know that's a soulful art of persuasion and it's really about how anyone can learn these habits to become more influential but it's a different it's like rewiring the way you think about business and success because things are different i mean we're we chat about that before i hit the record button you know with cancel, yeah. cancel culture you got a very skeptical uh consumer now and i think i think that old schmoozing is comes really heavily telegraphed i mean people see it coming a mile away now definitely and yeah totally so that's that's really uh that was something that i've and i love that book and i read i read that book in my 20s i've read it recently and and there's some great points in there about you know about about life, but there's some ways that could be unethically used as well with, with someone who's disingenuous trying to <clears throat> trying to motivate, you know, or persuade you using, you know, non-genuine uh, 
likability factors or whatever you would call it. But um, your book is four principles. Yeah. That 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 I that I want to chat about in in eleven. I think it was eleven habits you you had said. Yeah, it's a, it's a ha- the habits come out of each principle. So you got be original, be generous, concept of soulful, and the concept of empathetic. Yeah. So let's like go into the because there you know with being original uh, and I one of my favorite parts of the the dialogue I've heard about was uh, turn and face the strange. Yeah. Talk a little yeah. bit about that. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So um, be original. That principle. That concept is really boils down to. Uh, the Oscar Wilde quote, be yourself, everyone else is already taken. Mm. And it's just that really idea of knowing your values, uh, knowing your idiosyncrasies and your interests and your role models and what really makes you tick. And it's sort of, you know, all about leading your story with who you are versus letting the world and your relationships kind of create the story for you. Mm-hmm. And it's really about being the driver. Uh, similar to, I think, the, some of the ideas in, in the book that, that you put out. Um, mm-hmm. But that is really all about um, don't be afraid to wear your idiosyncrasies on your sleeve and tell people about it and be vulnerable. Like we started, mm-hmm. we just started talking and we already talked about uh, my experience with divorce. And you right. talked about your experience with a near-death experience. And those are, those are, that's a great example of where we were instantly bonded mm. because I'm opening up to you and not trying to put on that I'm something I'm not. Right. And, you know, you, you did the same with me. That's a great example of being original and going straight at uh, being who you are and not trying to um, sell or pitch or win things by... Mm thinking saying you like you love golf but you don't or right right that's <laughs> that's the point i was making out of the yeah there was always it, when we sold insurance we were always told because no one wants to buy insurance yeah. they don't think they're gonna die like no one ever got that point we sell life insurance they don't think they're gonna die so you have to put the cook in the kitchen uh and if they don't trust you you're out so you got to get in rapport as quickly as possible so the guy that taught me was an original tin man he used to sell aluminum siding siding Oh my God. He would always say, find something, anything, you know, a picture, a bike to get commonality with them. And I think today's consumer is so smart to that. I mean, a lot of times I loved meeting people anyway. I wouldn't trade it. I was in people's homes, knocked on their doors cold. I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. And the, and the ability to. Wait, you actually like went to people's doors and knocked on them? Thousands of them. Yeah. Yeah, no yeah. way! Oh yeah, we yeah to sell them life insurance. That was our it was door knocking and and boy, I'll tell you when you know your numbers, some will, some won't. So what next? Someone will. About one in ten people will say, you know what? I've been thinking about that. So you get right into it. Yeah, you knock on the door. I saw a couple bikes. Do you have a college plan? Do you have life insurance for your kids? That's what we do here at Prudential. And yeah. one out of you know five out of ten will tell you to beat it. Four out of ten will be nice. One out of ten and says, "You know, I've been I've been thinking about that. I probably should have that. Come on in," and you cut a deal. And while everybody else was sitting in a cube, I was, you know, doing a couple of those a week and making pretty good money. You know, in my twenties. But it, you know, it's a it's Do a people, lost art. 
they don't do that now, right? There's a company that does do it. There is a company that only like, does that. Is that legal to do that now? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can get shot, but it's it's it depends on where you are in the country. But you're uh, – oh, yeah, they, they do it. You can do it because, you know, that's a – it's a product that the, the consumer is not motivated. You know, you have an unmotivated buyer because they want to – there's the cognitive um, – what do they call it? Cognitive dissonance. Because when your actions and your values are in conflict, your brain will create an excuse not to do it or to do it. In this case, if you have kids and you don't have life insurance, you're going to say, well, at least I'm not going to die yet. And, you know, that's why we have fat doctors that smoke cigarettes. You know, they're smoking cigarettes. They know it's not good and they're overweight, but they, you know, they, they, they lie to themselves. Yeah. So yeah, great. life's changed a lot. I mean, that product is, uh, you know, it's still a, a product where very few people have it. Very few people actually own their own private life insurance. They have it through their employer. So that's what we did. Um, and now, you know, now it's social media. Like if it was easy to sell on social media, people would be doing it. They're not. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. But being yeah. strange about it, uh, you know, it's kind of, yeah, it's an interesting product. I could talk all day about it, but you know, I got, I got a lifelong uh, lesson in, in uh, rapport building yeah, you know, and, uh, and being real and getting to know people and, and getting them talking about their, you know, what's, what they're afraid of. And that's a, that's a big part of their lives. Um, yeah. Yeah. And another thing like I firmly believe in one of the, one of the habits in the book is this idea of, of never be closing and mm-hmm. this idea of, um, letting go of short-term transactional thinking. Like if, if you're in someone's home, I'll, I'll take it to your analogy. Mm-hmm. If you're in someone's home, maybe that's a different because that's a pure numbers game. Yeah. But in my business, if you make a contact with someone, you pitch their business, you learn about them, you learn about their product, their company, their service. Like with you, uh, we make a connection. I go on your podcast. I could easily say that's transactional because he's promoting my book to his audience Mm -hmm. and leave it at that. Or I could see this as like the start of someone in my network and someone that I can have a relationship with and not be transactional in my thinking and try to develop relationships um, and thinking about your, your, your network as, as that's your value. You know, that's, that's, and it should ever be expanding, not contracting. Yeah. and not think about things in terms of a zero-sum game where, you know, you, you pitch something, you win, you move on, you lose, you move on to the next one. But yeah. think about it as, you know, it's already, I'm investing an hour in co- talking with you. Mm-hmm. Why would I let that relationship drop to zero and not, you know, know that if you're going to Costa Rica and then I read something about Costa Rica, I can flip it to you. Yeah. And, you know, you'll know that I'm thinking about you and that this is a, um, you know, I'm not, we're not closing. It's not like the deal's done and it's over. So that's a way I had to rewire my brain to think that way. Um, Cause I, I don't think naturally people that build businesses approach, approach it that way. I think they're always thinking about the next quarter and the results for the quarter after that and creating shareholder value um, versus, you know, playing the long game and thinking about it as um, it's a collection of, of relationships over time that can lead to magical things. There was a, 
there's a concept I learned when I was younger because one of the one of the things we were taught was to sell something very very small, like something he called it. It was called the monkey's paw, and a no brainer, like something that had a lot of value that they needed that you can handle for them fast to, to get that relationship under the books, you know, on the books, so to speak. Like this, even though money's no money's exchanged, we've shared values and exchanged uh, a couple ideas for one another. Um, but the monkey's paw is a nautical term for a, a, a rope. And at the end of the rope, you tie the knot so the knot ant lands at the end. So it has weight. So you can actually throw the rope. Yeah. Um, and it's nautical. So it's, it's where the sailors would take the, with the big boats coming with the big ropes, they send a little rope down and they loop it around. They bring the big rope up, these big cruise ships with the small rope. So that's the small sail or the small uh, exchange that precedes a very large exchange. All right. Okay. And it's really, really, I never thought of it though, just in pure, like, um, you know, don't let it go to zero. That's, that's, it'd be a shame anyway. You know, you know, we, we, uh, you know, life's, life's, uh, not so, not so short sometimes because at some point somewhere you may need help or guidance or another ear to bounce an idea off of that's really good, really, really good point. Yeah. Really good point. Um, yeah, never be closing <clears throat> most common, most common, uh, statement I get from business owners is I'm not a good salesman. You know, I'm not good at it. Or I can't sell or I'm not a good, um, you know, I'm not good at selling. Very, yeah. very... Talk about the generosity. Talk about yeah. that, that principle of generous. Yeah, generous. so um, this is one, you know, in my, in, in my book, like anything in life, things will come natural to you and things will have to be practice and that's when they become habitual is when you consciously practice them over time they become habits so you don't have to think about them they become unconscious uh choices that you make but um for me like storytelling was always kind of natural for me and being myself and creating my values also generous was one where um i didn't start out business with a generosity mindset, I think um, whether it's um, sort of hoarding your contacts or not giving people mentorship or not giving people advice or counsel because it's chewing up your time. Right. Um, uh, not uh, recommending people that you find valuable because it's competitive. Not working with other you know, agencies, which is something I can talk about. Uh, down the road. But this idea of generosity is really um, giving something away when you cross paths with other people mm -hmm. and make sure it's genuine. You know, you're not doing it for some end goal. Right. You're doing it because that's your value system and that's what you believe in. And I think when you practice that and you also show respect to other people, that comes back to you in really incredible ways that you can't quantify and you'd never know how, mm -hmm. but there is the law of reciprocity long-term that really does work. And so being a generous person uh, will benefit others, but it'll benefit you as well. And that's something I never, I'm not wired that way at all. And that's something I had to learn uh, and practice. It's, uh, it's actually one of the scientific provable ways to feel better. 
Is that right? Give, when you give, you get endorphins. Yeah, you get you get a you get you get a hit of uh, all the good stuff. I love yeah. that. Yeah, you really do. I like it. You know, and some when you just give somebody something, then they feel better. You got to feel better. Like you're yeah. Like, oh, I'm glad. He, I'm glad. Like I like that do- drop to zero. Don't let a relationship drop to zero. That's a great yeah. piece. Yeah, and I, um, you know, I think when people reach out for me for connections or contacts or um, anything, and I also, you know, part of it is giving things away also. So, like, if I'm buying a book that I find inspiring, mm-hmm. you know, I usually buy like more than one copy and find someone that I have crossed paths with that I think could benefit from it, and I'll send, you know, send them that and it, it doesn't always have to be buying things it can be mm-hmm. sending information or advice or you know if so someone my door is always open if you know there's someone in the industry that needs mentorship or in the entrepreneur world yeah. that wants to bounce something off me i i'm very free with my you know where possible free with my time and advice because mm-hmm. uh, i know somehow that'll i guess get a dopamine hit of course yeah science but also it'll come back to you in in expanding that network and those relationships so uh that's the essence of generosity um, the social contract i mean it's yeah. it's uh yeah i mean i've always helped people out uh and lift people up but one of the things i i do now with a lot of my solopreneurs is i know when they're doing well and a lot of these people their dads are dead so i call them up you know and say hey listen i'm proud of you great job i know you had a good week and you'll be surprised that you know once you celebrate they may like say like he'll send you a text said my best week of my life i had a kid that i mentor and he said that's the best week of my life like i'm sure no one else told him that you know that feels good it made me feel good so i call him special just say hey i just want to tell you i'm proud of you yeah you know we all want to feel was that a behavior that you was that learned recently or did you always operate that way no, I, I, mean, I was always too busy to do that you know i was i was thinking like i had a, a number of appointments i had to hit and if i didn't have room i had to say no uh yeah you know i'm trying to i'm trying to do uh my you know my new journey is about location independence and 10xing free time yeah and we want to 10x something 10x your free time and do good things with the time you know don't watch netflix and binge watch tiktok <laughs> right. uh, you know do something decent with it man because you got a lot of time and people waste a lot of time with ineffective advertising but there's lots of things they can do to get their time back so i'm trying to do good things with the time and and you can do that when you don't have your calendar booked to you know wall to wall you can start I know. Really looking. I, that's a struggle that i am building a business um and pu- promoting a book that's something that i I'm very, I'm, I'm, it's a scarce resource is time. And I'm, you know, I'd love to get to a, a freer state with that. Yeah. You can't, I mean, you're, you're, the book thing you got to do like theoretically once and do it hard and right and then get yeah. it, get it going. And so it creates a momentum of its own. That's what yeah. these are great for. I mean, directly and indirectly, I, I know thousands of people will be watching this thousands. Yeah, that's great. I don't know how many thousand, but more than two or three. So one person connects with the idea, like don't drop the relationship to zero or be a little more generous you yeah. know, and, and don't, and don't uh, be doubt, you know, there's new ideas out there on how to influence and persuade. 
Uh, talk about personal genius or personal Jesus. Uh, I like that. I heard, I heard your, it was on your website. The, uh, the talk, you said that Jesus was the first CMO and yeah, in was. the principle of soulful. He was. And, uh, yeah, he, he was selling, uh, you know, Christianity. He did a really good yeah. job. He was, oh he yeah. Was, he was great marketing. Um, oh, yeah. but soulful to me, you know, I think that principle You've, uh, you actually live that principle, I think probably because your life experiences and also because you've had uh, financial success. So you have some, mm -hmm. some freedom, but wherever you are, it, you know, there's sort of two aspects to being soulful. And that's why soulful persuasion is the title because persuasion can have a negative connotation. You know, you can think that you're, you're tricking people uh, into something. And the soulful part is, well, actually persuasion. We're, we have to persuade whether we like it or not all day long. And that's, right. that's, that's how life is. Um, and it doesn't have to be a bad word. You can be a soulful persuader and turn it into um, influence in a, in a positive way. And, and this principle, there's sort of two of them. One is uh, skill hunting, which is to always be looking at developing new skills every two to three years. So I'm in a, I've never cooked before. I'm in a cooking <laughs> phase right now and learning how to cook for the first time in my life, which, you know, I'm in my forties and that's a little late to be learning how to cook, but I'm learning it. You know, I did it with chess, uh, playing the bass, boxing every couple of years. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be your main 10,000 hour skill but try to add skills all through life that you can be somewhat proficient at. And I think what that teaches you is uh, to develop other passions outside of work, but also to go through the learning process of the suck when you're really bad and you don't know what you're doing and you stick with it and you get to that other side uh, of that thing. And, and it's just adding to your skills over time. And we, we tend to be inspired with people that have a lot of uh, skills and are like a Swiss army knife. So I think that helps you become more influential. The personal mm. Jesus piece or this, the other part of that is trying to be an inspiration to other people and try to um, do more than uh, – just focus on yourself, but try to do something to make the world a better place. And whatever mm -hmm. skill you've mastered, try to apply that skill in a positive way. And that mm -hmm. is a really fundamental principle that I believe in. And so like as an ad man, uh, we started a nonprofit with like a hundred companies in it that can, you know, in advertising, it's real cutthroat business. And this is sort of a, mm -hmm knives down, hearts out approach, where we can partner together to help things like, uh, you know, uh, fight racism, gender equality, mm -hmm. um, uh, sexual assault, things like that. We can create, use our skills to create campaigns to combat right. uh, th those types of, of issues. And so even if an ad guy can do it, anyone can do it with whatever skills they have. So could be, um, you know, a friend of mine is a, a bar barber in um, London, mm -hmm. and he started cutting homeless hair one day a week in his lunch break. 
he'd go out in the streets and make people feel uh, like someone cared about them and freshen mm-hmm. them up. And then he started doing it, you know, two days a week. And then he started right. doing it every week. And then he started going around the world doing it. And then he became, he's writing a book and he became a speaker on it. Wow. And this is the guy who his skill was cutting hair. Mm. And so if a barber can do it and an ad man can do it, anyone can take their skill. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to boil the ocean. You don't have to do something right. massive. You can start small, like tutoring people in your community or giving financial advice to yeah. people that are, you know, young or underprivileged who don't have any guidance. Whatever skill you have, it's about giving that away. It's another form of generosity. But yeah. the way that comes back to you is it makes you influential to others because you are doing something that you can talk about that is bigger than yourself. And that to me is, is a fundamental principle of uh, being persuasive. Well, those are the, those are the stories that have virality to it. I mean, these, that's a, that's a good story. Yeah. That's a good story. Change the world with cutting hair. <laughs> yeah, you can do it. Yeah. And it sounds like, you're on that uh, road as well. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, um, I have a like a, I always call it the change the world domino. Like I, my in my my TED talk, I talk about the domino effect, and you know, the one inch domino or the two inch domino can knock over another two inch domino, but a two inch domino can actually knock over a three inch domino because of it has additional action potential. Oh right. We all store a little extra energy we're not using. And then, you know, if you knock them over in order, they start to, to go up 150%. So if you knock a two-inch domino over its full action potential in 50 dominoes, it's knocking over the Empire State Building. No way. That's yeah. Crazy. Yeah. It's, it's called amplified force. I love and, that. You know, so I have like, I have dominoes. I was like, what's your business dominoes? You know, get your client from digital stranger to something and then from something to something bigger and make it bigger and better over time. But that's not what life's all about. Life that might change the world domino is to help, you know, help people find another way out of addiction. Yeah. Because uh, the addiction modalities, there's 38 of them, and most of them are, are very, very poorly performing in the, you know, 80, 90 percentile. And they're very one dimensional. Like they don't put their knives down very well. They, they play in their own sandboxes and they don't let other people, where the reality is you could probably curate those programs and come up with something that worked better for the world. Uh, so I, I'm asking my change the world domino and, you know, to do that, I have to make my business domino work. So I, cause I have the time and the money to do it. And, but I think life's like that, you know, people are about, you know, doing something that's, you know, beyond your own life, meaningful. And I had a second chance with a donor last second donor. And, you know, I wanted to do better with, with this. And, and, uh, you know, I have a spare tire in my body, like, right. uh, you know, our organ could, 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 uh, reject it already has a couple of times. So each day I look at it differently than a lot of people do, but you do, you, you play out and you, if you're, you win, live in these principles, um, you can win people over to your change the world domino, whatever that, whatever that world is. Um, and it, and it leads us to the last principle of empathy. Yeah. And, you know, talk about that. And I love the change. I want to respect you. That's really powerful. Yeah, I had big dominoes. I have a 12, 12, uh, 12 foot domino made to scale. So I can knock over 13 of them in a row from two inches to 12 feet. 
That's amazing. Yeah. So you're on it. You're on to it too. Did you do that on your TED talk? Yeah. Yeah. Watch it. Yeah. I I only did uh, six because six, six ends up being almost three feet. That's amazing. Two to, yeah, no, six, six ends up being about that big. So I, I couldn't take him on. I was in Chicago. So from this little thing, you can knock over. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it, you know, within, within, you know, everybody lives one day at a time, but the problem is they live tomorrow. Like they live today. They don't, yeah. they don't play a little out like skill hunting is an example. Yeah. Can I box? Can I sing? Can I dance? Can I do a Ted yeah. talk? Can I, of course, <laughs> you know, you write a book one page at a time. Yeah, exactly. One paragraph at a time. You know, it's inside of you. If you want it, if that's important to you, that's why I asked you, is that your first book? Cause my first yeah. book was hard. Very. It's hard shit. You know, it's not easy. Yeah. You, uh, you really lose a lot of sleep. Oh yeah. Then you, then you, then you get it finished. You think it sucks. Yeah. You, I mean, it's <laughs> like anything. Like I was in bands forever and you would to go through the same process and whenever you're creating, right. you're like, or, or the opposite, like at the time you think it's brilliant, you read it the next day, you're like, this is fucking garbage. You're like, what is this? What was I thinking? Uh, but, That's yeah. funny you say that. Yeah. Yeah. Someone else reads it, like, you're not publishing this, are you? Yeah, no, this is a dumb idea. But yeah, empathetic. Uh, the last principle is really about making it about them and developing a mm. curiosity for other people. That's something Dale Carnegie talked a lot about. Um, in some in some ways but it's much more about finding commonalities mm. and not differences but fi- not forcing those commonalities not saying oh i'm into biking because you saw a picture of a bike but right. looking at it's more about the human experience and that we all are so similar mm-hmm. you know we have uh, 99.1% of the same dna right. and it's that 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 other per- that tiny percent that makes us all different and mm. we all think we're so different in our own little echo chambers and our uh you know we're, we're sort of split into our own little groups and that's all we care about but really there's a common humanity we have common needs uh common things that excite us that mm. that bring us uh common common ground and i think it's about sharing that and and really seeking out collaborations with other people and realizing you can't and don't have to do it yourself. And to do that, you have to really understand how to connect with people and you connect with people by uh, being an empathetic person. And that connection makes you ultimately more influential and builds your network and, and uh, your community. Yeah, that's powerful. It's hard, it's hard to stay empathetic deliberately when you're so damn busy. It really yeah, is. You're worried, yeah, you're worried about. I have so many more things I want to talk to you about. But <laughs> there's, one, there's one thing I had to ask you because like, I want to respect your time. Right, you're yeah, an ad sure. man. Yeah. You're writing ads and trying to put messages out there to companies. And I know advertising is about disruption and differentiation. Like, how, how has the ad business changed with cancel culture and the sensitivity to, to things and the, the sacred cow? Uh, things you can't go after like how's that i'm just curious i mean it's changed very dramatically in that um you almost have uh, depending on your company or how you're set up but Mm -hmm. you almost have like extra layers of 
people that need to look at your stuff before it goes out into the mm. world and check off to make sure this doesn't, it's not going to blow up in your face or defend, you know, can you make it make sense? And there's not mm. a tripwire with it because there's this whole group of trolls that are like sitting on their, <laughs> yeah, they're sitting with their mouse waiting for you to post something that, that they can attack the company or, um, you know, create a backlash for. And as the stewards of the brands we work for, you know, we have to protect them and make sure that doesn't happen. But at the same time, make work that stands out because people hate advertising. You know, mm -hmm. they love stories, they love brands, but they hate advertising. So you need to connect with storytelling, but also not offend. And so it's gotten infinitely harder uh, to crack those ideas that thread that needle. Um, and it's changed dramatically. And I'd say very quickly, like in the past, you know, two years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my number one video got almost 10 million views so far. And the only reason it got 10 million views, it was uh, how to become the first millionaire in your family. That's a great and, title. And it was make $274 a day. Well, $274 a day is a hundred thousand. So it was like, that was the domino to get to a million. And then I didn't yeah. take taxes out. And then like half the people said $274 a day, isn't a hundred, isn't a million dollars. It's a hundred thousand. So everybody was calling me stupid. And then the algorithms pick it up. Like if you want to get viral, you also can make a mistake or a typing error. Like, you know, the, when people are engaging with your profile, it, it goes. So that was like literally bad math. Bad math got me 10 million, 10 million views. Was that I, uh, I it was TikTok. Was it worthwhile? <laughs> oh yeah, I'd do it again. I do it on purpose oh. now. So I don't do it on purpose. I like to leave, you know, you 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 gotta, you know, it's it's it, the whole idea is it's not as hard as you think it is. Because if you yeah. make a hundred thousand, it's a hell of a lot harder to make zero to a hundred thousand than it is from a hundred thousand to a million. Definitely. It's way easier to get that once you get the first hundred. Even Buffett said that. But yeah. you've been awesome. I really enjoyed this. Uh, yeah, likewise, man. You've been awesome too. Thanks for uh, having me on. How, how, tell us about how how someone goes about getting your book and and what else uh, is is available there. Um, it's uh, the soulfulart.com. Soulfulart.com mm -hmm. has more about me. Uh, links to buy the book. You can buy the book obviously on Amazon and anywhere books are sold. Um, but yeah, I check, check that out and you can connect with me on my social channels through that site. Yeah. I'll do that as well. That way we can stay connected. Yeah. Let it go that. to zero. If you ever need anything, reach out. I'm not going to let I'm it go to zero. But, by the way, look at my, I didn't get a chance to use my shirt today, but you're on my, mute. You're on mute. <laughs> Cause all day long I'm on these zooms and someone else, ultimately said you're on mute oh yeah yeah i know your best shit comes out when you're on mute you That's have an so idea true. you're like wait what did i say yeah <laughs> all right awesome thanks parents this was killer thanks jason all right Take be care. in touch see you